1: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 6th, 2020. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can of course find me on Twitter at underscore omd On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk all about the Magic's loss to the Boston Celtics. Uh, and, and where the team uh, and, and how the team actually played a pretty good game but still fell short. And I'll talk about my thoughts of the national broadcast and what they had to say about the Orlando Magic. Won't be breaking too much new ground there. Of course, the NBA trade deadline coming up on Thursday at 3 o'clock. You can go back to yesterday's episode of Locked on Magic and listen to my thoughts on the trade deadline. Did a whole hour long episode. Talking about the trade deadline, every aspect of it with Stuart Hodge of uh, Scott, of uh, Sky Sports uh, UK, um, and, and and really breaking down where the Magic stand and some of the big issues that the Magic face. Obviously, heading into the offseason a little bit, but also heading into uh, this critical juncture of their development and 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 of course a, a big decision point here at the trade deadline. Lot lot to get to, lots still to go, lots going on. It'll it'll be a busy day. I do. I do, you know, I still expect the magic to be fairly quiet and perhaps maybe something minor on the edges. I don't see the team making any dramatic changes. I think that they know who they are, they know where they're at. Unless something really good comes along that helps them in the long term. Uh they're they're not I think gonna pull the trigger on anything because, you know, yes, they're just the seven seed or just the eight seed at this point, but I do think the magic value being in the playoffs and they're not willing to kind of do dramatic changes to the roster at this point. I do expect the Magic to make a lot of changes and be very active um, in the summer and in the offseason to try and make this team better. Um, So, you know, I I don't think the Magic are sitting on their hands at all. I know a lot of people kind of complain about the Magic doing that with how little, you know, quote-unquote activity they've had and how similar the roster looks to what it looked like two years ago. Um, I, I don't think the Magic are, are, are not being active. I think they are looking for things, but I don't think they like what's out there. Their team is serviceable. I won't say it's fine. That, that, that seems to tick people off, but it's serviceable. It's getting at least the baseline job done. Um, but obviously, I think Orlando knows that they have to do a lot better. They have, to, they have to find a way to get a lot better moving forward. We'll talk about some of that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you to check out all the great podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network are searching wherever download Podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want to get the lowdown on the Celtics perspective of this game? Check out Locked On Celtics. Want to look ahead to Thursday's game against the New York Knicks? Check out Locked On Knicks. Plus, Locked On NBA will have you covered completely with the NBA trade deadline goings on. Um, I'm sure the Duncan and Hollinger NBA show has their trade deadline preview up as well to talk about the the front office perspective on what goes on at the trade deadline and a whole lot more. No matter which team you're interested in learning more about, whether, you know, let's say the Hawks who pulled off a big deal or or the Nuggets or uh, the Sixers are pulling pulling off a huge deal, no matter which team you're interested in learning more about, there is a Locked On podcast for you. Whether it's the NBA, the NFL, MLB, college, or NHL too, There's a Locked On podcast where you just search wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. The Orlando Magic were a gnat that the Boston Celtics couldn't get rid of. They go up by nine in the first, in the the second quarter as the Magic's, or in the first quarter as the Magic second unit struggles and Orlando, gets themselves right and starts to whittle the lead back down and and get themselves back into the game. The Magic were not going away. The Magic were not disappearing, pun intended. The Magic were going to be in this fight for the long haul. And indeed, the second and third quarters of this game were played extremely close. Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier carrying the offense. The Magic's defense looking as crisp and together as they have been all year long. This game was going to come down to the fourth quarter, those final 12 minutes, those magical 12 minutes. Again, pun intended. Those magical 12 minutes that define games. You know, I often joke that those last eight minutes between the the 40-minute college game and the eight-minute NBA game, those are the minutes that separate the men from the boys. And yes, those college kids are all, are all boys. I'm, I'm sorry to say. They're, they're, all, they're all children. This is where crunch time and, and, and heroes are made. You know, I, I am a believer of statistics. I think the first two minutes are as important as the last two minutes, but there is fatigue involved. There is, you know, the course of the game, there are so many things involved that make that last moment special. And Orlando was in the fight. They got all the way down to that point. And then Jason Tatum took over. 14 of his 33 points in the fourth quarter. Making tough shots over good defense. And you could feel the temperature change a little bit. The crowd was certainly more into it. You know, that that TD Garden crowd is allowed. I think they're one of the best crowds in the NBA. There was definitely noise. You could definitely feel the noise and feel the intensity growing. The Celtics were going for the win. And Tatum made a play. And Jalen Brown made a play. And Gordon Hayward made a play. And the Magic, after responding and playing such good defense, and honestly, I think for the most part in that fourth quarter, they played good defense. But Tatum was making tough shots. Gordon Hayward was getting to the spots the Magic wanted him to get to. And he was making tough shots over their defense. The Magic couldn't keep up anymore. The hot shooting that kept them in the game through the first half suddenly dried up. The three-pointers wouldn't fall, open or otherwise. Orlando couldn't get to the line, couldn't get to the basket. They didn't have that guy. Again, a problem we all know about. They didn't have that guy to create his own shot, to make something of nothing, to make the defense react to him. Not to a play, not to a set, not to a cut, but to him and that's honestly why the Magic have had a lot of bad late-game luck. This wasn't late-game luck, though. This was the opening moments of the fourth quarter when Tatum started to put distance between him and the Magic, and Orlando just couldn't keep the focus to execute and make shots to close the gap. The Celtics went up by 10 midway through the fourth quarter. Orlando cut it to 7 or 5 a few times, but Tatum closed the door and eventually the magic just couldn't keep up any longer. The Celtics had just outclassed them and outran them in the fourth quarter. Boston outscores Orlando 29 to 20 in that fourth quarter to take a 116 to 100 win over the Orlando Magic. It was a it was a, a tough pill to swallow but ultimately one that seemed that 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 Coach Clifford seemed okay with. The game came down to those key plays, to the things you want it to come down to, to late game exec- to, to execution and shot making. The Celtics made shots, and what was the Magic's response? Magic's response was to miss shots. Magic's response, in some occasions, was turning the ball over an uncharacteristic 17 turnovers for the Orlando Magic. And that's something that was certainly within their control that cost them this game. Orlando was too sloppy with the ball on several occasions. They allowed Boston to deflect passes and and get in passing lanes and and strip the ball on a few occasions as well. Orlando, in a lot of senses, were trying so hard to stay in this game that trying too hard gets you in trouble. Causes mistakes, causes charges, causes you to expose the ball and get ripped, which which happened on, on a few occasions. The Magic had all the elements they needed for a win. They shot the ball well. They hit from the outside. They got to the foul line. But they turned the ball over too much. They gave up too many offensive rebounds. And they left the door open for a star and Jason Tatum and All-Star this year to close the door. And that's exactly what the Celtics did. They closed the door on this game. The Magic ultimately could not keep pace. And I, I think I've said that three times. They could not make the shots down the stretch. And that's why they walked home, or they they leave Boston with a 116 100 defeat at the TD Garden. A game where the Magic played pretty well. I thought their defense was really good most of the night. Boston scores 116 points and 59 points in, in the second half. Um, they shoot 53.5%, uh, 13 for 23 from beyond the arc. Um, but Orlando played some really stellar defense throughout the game. The Celtics just went on a tear, it felt like, at the end of the third quarter, especially I think Gordon Hayward had eight points in the final two and a half minutes of the third quarter. Um, and and twenty and then Tatum went on his tear in the fourth. It's a lot of individual brilliance going on, but I thought Orlando played played pretty well throughout the game. But that's not enough. And that's frankly been a story throughout the season. Orlando's defense has not been consistent enough and not been strong enough to withstand those individual flurries or, or slow those individual flurries. And their offense certainly hasn't been consistent enough or strong enough to withstand them either, to slow them down, to take the other team out of its rhythm by making a shot. And that's why the Magic stand where they stand. Again, the Orlando Magic fall to the Boston Celtics 116-100. to Hey you! The NBA trade deadline is today at 3 o'clock, and guess what? There is still time, assuming you're listening to this before 3 o'clock on Thursday, to enter the Locked On NBA Network's contest to pre-bomb the Woj Bomb. If you want two tickets to see the Orlando Magic or your favorite team, I don't know why the Magic aren't your favorite team, but if you want two tickets to see your favorite team in their home arena, guess the NBA trade perfectly. Before it happens, go to any of the Locked On NBA Net accounts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. That's at Locked On NBA Net. Post a trade you think will happen. Tag five people with your trade in the post. If you are right, then you have a chance to win two tickets to see your favorite team play in their home arena. Trades will be evaluated based on players and picks, not cash. Don't bother doing trades that have already happened or already been reported or already announced. We know the timestamp doesn't lie. If multiple people, multiple people win by guessing the correct trade, uh, the first person with the correct trade is the winner. So definitely enter your trade early. One winner winner will be chosen from across all locked on social accounts. If no one guesses the exact trade, the winner will be the one closest to the pin. Go now and pre bomb the woge bomb with your trade deadline trade at lockedonnbanet. Again, whether Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, search for lockedonnbanet.
0: Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Let's run through the final box score for you real fast. Uh, It's an an interesting game for a lot of reasons from the Orlando Magic, Um, a lot of good performances. It was not a bad game. Again, uh, the Magic lose by 16. I think the final score looks worse than what the actual deficit or what, what the actual way the game was played was. Um, this, this was a tight game, a nip-and-tuck game for, for really the, until the final five minutes of the game. Uh, Boston, I think, took a 10-point lead with six minutes to play. Evan Fournier hit a three to cut it to seven, and it was still touch-and-go there. Orlando very easily could have come back and won this one. So again, I, I, don't, think you, I don't think the Magic are, are thinking about this loss too much um, because they got beat by a really good team. Uh, they got beat by tough shot-making, uh, and, and they just didn't hit shots down the stretch that they needed to. Uh, certainly, they'll regret the turnovers, they'll regret some of the offensive rebounds. Um, but overall, I think Orlando is 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 generally pretty happy with, with how they played, and you pair that with how they played against Charlotte in the second half against Miami. It does feel like Orlando's coming out of this haze a little bit. Um, you know, it would be nice to have some easier opponents to play to kind of build that confidence again, and, and certainly they get that Thursday against the New York Knicks in, in what feels like a must-win game. Let's run through some final stats for you, though. Evan Fournier, 26 points, 8 for 15 shooting, 6 for 8 from beyond the arc. Even though he took 15 shots, um, I I really felt like Fournier played the role that you want him to play. And I I think the last two games, you know, maybe it's because of the back injury, the Magic don't want to push Fournier too hard, but I really feel like the Magic are using Fournier exactly how you want to use him. Uh, You know, I think certainly there's a lot of discussion among Magic fans, uh, you know, spurred a little bit by what Kevin O'Connor wrote for The Ringer on Aaron Gordon. Certainly a lot of discussion among Magic fans about how. The team is using certain players. You know, I would argue the Magic have not used Nikola Vucevic uh, effectively this year. Um, I, I think certainly Evan Fournier has been kind of cast out of place. Um, you know, I think a lot of people want Markel Fultz to be used a little bit more, and certainly Aaron Gordon has not been used effectively either. Evan Fournier, to me, is most effective when he plays as a secondary playmaker, attacking, uh, reversal, attacking rotations off ball reversals. If he is initiating offense through pick and rolls, you know he's okay at that. He's, I mean, he's not bad. Uh, I would not use that as a primary play because it just it slows everything down. So if a team like Boston is able to switch a lot, then that kills your offensive flow. And really, a team Boston's switching scheme uh, really demands that you play a lot more off the ball and do a lot more screening off the ball. Which Orlando did for stretches of this game. Uh, you know, I think I think their offense worked for long stretches. But you know, if you rely on pick and rolls against teams that switch like Boston does, you're going to you're going to get blown up. Um, teams are just they're just going to blow. They're just going to switch the screen and. Completely kill all flow within the play, and, and and that's where the magic really got stuck this game. So doing that less with Evan Forney, I think ultimately ended up a good thing. He took a lot of spot up shots, you know, maybe a lot of kind of you know dribble sidesteps or dribble you know dribble uh, escape move uh, shots, and, and attacked when they, they closed out. I um, mean, hit his first four three pointers. He made, uh, he made uh, six for the game. Um, he was really really effective, and and I think this was a really solid game for Evan Forney, So good to see him have back to back really solid games. You know. Everyone on the team was uh, a negative plus minus, except for Evan Fournier. That doesn't say much, but maybe it does say something. Aaron Gordon, also a really nice game. 23 points, 7 for 15 shooting, 8 for 10 from the foul line, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. Um, this is a game that where Aaron Gordon looked like the guy we all thought he would be. Um, the magic started him off in the post. They did a lot. They did a really good job getting him shots around the basket. He hung around the basket to help with rebounding. Got a, a fair share. You know, was was fairly active on the glass on both ends of the floor. Um, this was an ideal Aaron Gordon game. I I really liked how Aaron played for the most part. Um, you know, kind of used the inside game to gain confidence. Um, but he didn't really settle for mid range jumpers. None of those stupid fadeaways that 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 he tends to like. Um, it, it was it was a really solid solid game. Uh, for Aaron Gordon, I felt like, and 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 a game that I think that you know it's one that he can grow from. But at the end of the day, though, Gordon also made a lot of mistakes. He had five turnovers in the game, and a lot of that was just him trying to force his way to the basket. You know, as as much as we think Aaron Gordon is really good in transition, he is not really good in transition. He makes a lot of bad decisions in transition. He tries to squeeze between two defenders and gets called for charges a ton. I wrote about that earlier in the year where, you know, against Dallas, he had the offensive foul that that, that a lot of people claimed wasn't. But he, even then, it was very clear that he commits a lot of offensive fouls. He just has a problem where he, you know, is unable to slow himself down or, or even pull up to take a mid-range jumper. He He's determined to get to the rim. He sets his mind to getting to the rim. And you know, telegraphs it a little bit too much. And, and I think that's something that he's really got to work on is his decision-making in transition. He just turns the ball over a lot. He had a play where Grant Williams ripped the ball from him uh, as, as he was trying to drive to the basket. Again, just a, kind of an ill-advised play that the cost the Magic dearly. It was a, a, a big turnover in the game. Um, so as good as Aaron Gordon was through the first three quarters, the last quarter he made a lot of these kinds of mistakes. Again, just trying to do too much. And I think that's generally Aaron's problem this year and why he's shooting such a low percentage is he's just trying to do too much. Um, you know, you can always tell when he's dribbling around too much and you're just like, move the ball Aaron. you're Like, it's not there, just move the ball. Um, and, and, I, and I think he just, he's just trying to, again, just trying to do too much. And and I think that, that you know, he had a really nice game. Some 15 shootings, good shooting, one for three from beyond the arc, eight for 10 from the foul line, 10 rebounds. You, you know, he did all the things defensively you wanted him to do. I didn't think he was great on Jason Tatum. I thought this was not his best defensive effort um, individually, but... Um, you know he was active on the glass and and did a lot of other did a lot of other things there too but um overall got to clean up the turnovers got to make better decisions especially in transition um you know cuz cuz that's where Gordon really can make his money Terrence Ross 18 points 5 for 16 shooting 3 for 9 from beyond the arc um Ross got going and and, and made good shots and and I would say until the fourth quarter was really really reliable and did exactly what you want him to do but I, I think that Ross Ross's green light is too green sometimes. And and especially, it's it's knowing time and score, too. Um, The Magic were down, I think it was six. You know, the the lead was starting to creep out. And the Magic ran a a stagger screen for Ross. He got the ball at the top of the key, and he just shot it. Um, And it wasn't a great shot. The defense was right on him. Um, You know, there's definitely maybe an opportunity to to stop and wait for a roll or wait for a slip of one of those screens. Um, Or maybe even a follow curl, curl that... To, to through the lane, which which I think would be an interesting idea, um, but Ross just Ross is Ross is there to shoot, and so you kind of live and die with the shooting. And and late in the game, late in games, I really have to be critical of his shot selection. I think late in games, he's taking those shots too quickly um, instead of working to get a better shot. I mean, I'd like to see a little bit more composure and control in those moments. And and of course, the, you know, that's that's I think a, a big big issue for this team overall. Michael Carter Williams a really nice game off the bench though too. 12 points, three for five shooting, one rebound, six assists, three steals, two blocks. Uh Michael Carter Williams entered the game and was just a bat out of hell. Like he just the Magic's defense, I thought early on was not physical enough. Uh really kind of let Boston kind of got wherever they wanted without much resistance. Um, or the closeouts weren't perf- weren't great either. And Michael Carter Williams came in and just changed the tenor of the game. I mean, just, just blocking shots, getting steals, getting deflections, kind of picking up the energy of the game. And and so Michael Carter-Williams deserves a lot of credit for that. I mean, he's, he's the one guy on this Magic team that's always playing on a little bit of an edge um, at where, you know, he's either too aggressive and, and, and falls off or is the right amount of aggressive. And certainly he was floating with that throughout this game. Made some mistakes down the stretch. You know, it's three turnovers isn't, isn't a good number for him either. Um, you know, but overall, the defensive impact was exactly what you want from him. And, and I thought that that was a huge boost. The Magic do not get back in this game. The Magic do not have a chance to win this game. Without Michael Carter Williams, um, Nikola Vucevic was the one guy that I thought really struggled in this one. Twelve points, five for twelve shooting, one for five from beyond the arc, one for four from the foul line, ten rebounds, two assists, four turnovers, one block. Um, the Magic, you know, Vucevic had a matchup advantage in Ennis Cantor, you know, Grant Williams, whoever the whoever they put on him, and, and he just never took advantage of it. He really struggled in the post. I thought the Celtics did a good job crowding him. The magic spacing on their entry passes to him in the post was terrible. Um, you know, I think Hubie Brown kind of exasperatedly said in the third quarter when Vucevic finally scored a point in the paint, just finally the magic worked, worked the a high-low action to get him a good look. Um, and, and it's really kind of simple stuff like that right now with Vucevic is just getting him good deep post position um is has been such a huge struggle and and, and for whatever reason this game he just didn't have the touch and and again it's been a disappointing season for Nikola Vucevic. I don't think there's any way to cut cut that. Um, you know, he might be leading the team in scoring, but the efficiency is not there. And the Magic rely on him in games like this and moments like this to calm the team. And, and they didn't have that because that's the element that's missing is that calming moment, that calming player that you can dump the ball into or get the ball to him and he's going to get a good shot for himself. Or he's gonna free up something for someone else. You know, the Magic just don't have that right now. I mean, you know, and you don't want it to be a center. Vucevic probably isn't the guy that it should be, but the Magic just everything for the Magic is a struggle and an uphill climb, and 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 this is a big reason why. So you know, Vucevic not shooting effectively and efficiently is, is certainly a, a major concern for the Magic. It's been one for a while. They keep hoping he's breaking out of a slump, but another rough game that I think really costs the Magic in the end. Orlando shoots forty-two point seven percent from the floor, thirteen for thirty-one from beyond the arc. 23 of 30 from the foul line. They have 17 turnovers leading to 17 Boston points. Big difference in this game. Just an uncharacteristically high turnover game. It sometimes felt like the ice was melting underneath them with some of the way the players were slipping on the TD Garden floor, but just a a rough game overall. The Celtics are led in scoring by Jason Tatum with 33 points. He scored 14 of them in the fourth quarter, shot 11 for 24. So the Magic did okay defensively on him, but he made all the big shots that matter. So too did Gordon Hayward. 23 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists as the nominal point guard for the team. 10 for 16 from the floor. Uh, the Magic had no answer for Hayward either. Um, you know, they could have just kept, kept giving the ball to Hayward and he would have found a way to score uh, score baskets and, and and really give the Magic a lot of problems. So uh, a frustrating evening on that front defensively. The Boston shoots 53.5% from the floor. 13 for 23 from beyond the arc. Uh, six offensive rebounds, but it felt like all six of them were, were killer offensive rebounds, Um, you know, 10 second-chance points off six offensive rebounds. Uh, it, it, they, they converted on every single one of them, uh, and the Magic certainly uh, they were not happy with their physicality and rebounding throughout the game. The Boston Celtics defeat the Orlando Magic 116-100 to at the TD Garden. The Orlando Magic are back in action Thursday, actually, against the New York Knicks. As some of you might know, Wednesday was the Orlando Magic's only scheduled national television appearance. Kind of snuck up on everyone, because that game was actually scheduled for March, when the Magic were traveling down to Miami to take on the Miami Heat, but Cyan Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans are playing Luka Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. That game's got to be on TV. So last week, ESPN announced that the Magic's game against the Celtics would be on ESPN instead. This, again, is the Magic's only scheduled appearance on ESPN or TNT. They got one. They made the playoffs, and they got one. It was their first national television appearance since last year's season finale against the Charlotte Hornets, a game that clinched the Magic's seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. The Magic had not been on national TV, again, ESPN or TNT, since Alfred Payton's first triple-double in twenty. 20- Thirteen against the Dallas Mavericks. The Magic have not had a home national TV game, at least by my memory. That again, we're only talking regular season here. Obviously, the playoffs they were on national TV, but they have not had a home nationally televised play a uh, regular season game since LeBron James dropped fifty-one on them in twenty eleven. Coming up on ten years since ESPN has been uh, in Orlando. If I'm if I'm incorrect on that, please call me out. I I, I would appreciate it. But to say the least, being on national TV is still a special thing for the Orlando Magic. It is a special treat for fans not living in the Orlando area uh, to, to see their team. It has not happened often in the last eight years. And it shouldn't be that special. It should be something, especially as a playoff team, that you expect, that you get because you're the best of the best. You're one of the best teams in the league, you're a team of interest. And kudos to Mike Breen and and Hubie Brown, fantastic broadcasters, both of them. They called a fantastic game. It helped that the game was entertaining, but they did their best to explain to the national televised audience that, hey, this magic team is pretty good. They're tops in the league, they're one of the best teams in the league defensively. They kept citing per game stats, which make the Magic Look sound a lot better than they actually are, but we'll take it. They're one of the, they're, they're a really solid defensive team, they, they kept saying. You know, this is a team, you know, Hubie Brown at one point said Steve Clifford is the perfect coach for this group because he is a teacher. They're a young, promising team full of NBA quality players. This isn't some random team full of G-leaguers. Well, you know, except for the end of the first quarter, perhaps. But this is a team that should make the playoffs for a second straight year, that completed an incredible turnaround last year. And while isn't very much in the national conscious, it's a team that you should be at least nominally aware of. That, that was the general message that I got watching the ESPN broadcast of this game. Was Mike Green and Hubie Brown, again, maybe they're selling, and maybe they are selling, but doing their best to paint a picture of the magic of this is a solid, disciplined team. This is a team that is capable of making the playoffs and is not some pushover that the Celtics are going to steamroll over. They did their homework, they knew their stuff. And of course, Mike, you know, Mike Breen and Yubi Brown are two of the best. But I think the point that they made in the fourth quarter, as things were beginning to unravel, is Jason Tatum, now an all star, of course was beginning to make his onslaught on the Magic that would eventually bury them. I think at one point in the fourth quarter with the Celtics up by 8-9, maybe 10 points, Mike Breen sort of made this offhand comment. You know, this Magic team, they don't have a star. They've got a lot of NBA caliber players. They are a good team, but they don't have a star. They need everyone pulling together to win games. And of course, this is not rocket science. I don't need to tell all of you this, but hearing that observation pretty much stated for the world to hear explains so many of the fundamental problems that we talk about here on this podcast and what fans are talking about as a trade deadline nears. The Magic are indeed a nice team. They are a playoff caliber team in this Eastern Conference, but they are nothing more than a 7 or an 8 seed. I know, I think I've said this on this podcast before, but I do believe Orlando has a little bit of an inferiority complex or a little brother complex where nothing really feels like it's our own and we want people to notice us for us as a city. And that includes our sports teams. We want something that is truly ours, especially because Orlando is kind of in the shadow of Miami, of Tampa of, of even Jacksonville to some extent, you know NFL teams and whatnot. but a t- a city that was kind of birthed by Disney, by outsiders. And it's a city that's still seeking its own identity in a lot of ways. so I think I think to some extent, there is something ingrained in Orlando and in and, and Orlando magic fans in general, I would definitely say this that we that they do care about the how the nation perceives us and, and what they think of our team. And to say the least, the reason the magic aren't on national TV more, the reason why the magic are kind of a little bit stuck in the seven or eighth seed you know treadmill of mediocrity, they don't have the star. They don't have the one guy that can isolate and create his own shot as inefficient as that play is. They don't have the one guy who can rescue them, make a play offensively especially, when things seem to be falling apart. They have not found that guy yet. Certainly, Nikola Vucevic was an All Star last year, deserved to be an All Star last year, but he has regressed considerably this year, shooting a, a, a career low effective field goal percentage. His raw numbers are still around 18 points per game, but as I mentioned earlier, he's not taking advantage of matchups. He's struggling to make shots, and the spacing around him just hasn't worked for him. Teams are teams are playing him more physically and doubling on him harder, and he struggled to adjust to his reality of being a you know one time All Star. Aaron Gordon was supposed to be that player and take that leap. He struggled all year. He's shooting career-worst effective field goal percentage. In this game, he took over the game. He went toe-to-toe with Jason Tatum for two and a half quarters. But in the fourth quarter, he turned the ball over. He made mistakes. He tried to force things. He could not carry this team over the finish line. You know, I think at the end of the day, the Magic want it to be Jonathan Isaac. But his offensive game still has a long way to go and Marco Foltz is still kind of getting his legs under him around the league. Maybe he can be that guy, but his lack of a jumper right now is, is slowing him down. And, you know, maybe perhaps kind of a lack of trust is keeping him from getting unleashed on the NBA world. Again, we'll see what, we'll see what, what, what comes of that in the summer. If the Magic want to be on national TV more, they need relevant storylines, whether that's winning more, winning more seriously, or adding in a dynamic player that will draw eyeballs to the TV on a national basis, nationally recognized name. And the Magic don't have that. Aaron Gordon's the closest, and, and that's for his dunking. That's for slam dunk contest. Now, this is not the be-all, end-all. If you win, you get these guys as much as you get these guys and you win. It is a chicken or an egg problem. You can win without them, and build that person. You can also have that person and 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 win or lose, actually, as, as we learned with Tracy McGrady. But this really crystallizes the central debate for the Orlando Magic, I think. And again, the trade deadline is Thursday at 3 o'clock, so that debate is at the front. How do the Magic get a star? How do the Magic upgrade their talent? How do the Magic take that next step? To me, it is very clearly about upgrading talent whether that's internally through Isaac, Fultz, or Gordon, or whether that's externally through a trade, the Magic have to find a way to make that wave. Because too often this year, they have been susceptible to individual brilliance. No matter how good their defense was for 47, 46 minutes, individual brilliance has beaten them time and time again. Whether it was Devin Booker against the Phoenix Suns, Nikola Jokic against the Denver Nuggets, Um, Darren Fox almost beat them with the Sacramento Kings. Joel Embiid almost beat them with the Philadelphia 76ers. Donovan Mitchell beat them with the Utah Jazz. Individual brilliance has destroyed this team. And it didn't need, you know, certainly we didn't need the national television audience to tell us that, the national television broadcasters to tell us that, but they broadcasted it for the world. The impression that I imagine people got watching the Magic play the Celtics was, this is a spunky team they'll fight. They'll play hard. But they are lacking that last bit to truly compete with a team like the Celtics and by extension to compete for something real. Again, this isn't news to any of you that have list, that have followed this magic team. We all know that this is the problem. And again, the most difficult question to answer, most you know, is how do you solve that problem? How do you find that star? Is he already on the roster? How do you develop him if that is the case? And is these questions, it is, it is trying to figure this out, that will determine the next steps for the Orlando Magic. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Apple Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalay, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including all the updates from the NBA trade deadline, check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter there at OmagicDaily. The Orlando Magic take on the New York Knicks at 730 at Madison Square Garden. So that'll be after the trade deadline. We'll be back again to, on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic to recap the trade deadline and talk all about that Magic game against the New York Knicks. Should be a good one. The Magic have a chance to go 2 and one on this road trip, which they absolutely have to do. I would consider the, the game against the Knicks pretty much a must win. Can't lose to New York um, if, if you're serious about making the playoffs and certainly... Got to start picking back ground back up on Brooklyn, who are, who are now one and a half games up for the seventh seed. So until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.
0: You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.